Hey, hello everyone, and welcome to this live cast. You are here today at Informed Consent live tonight with Chris Martinson and Evie Botello. Hi, Evie. How you doing? Hello. Good evening. All right, everybody. Here we are. So this is all about being live. That's the benefit of this. So if you have questions, comments, things like that, feel free to chat them up. And if they fit in and we can see them in time and pull them up, we want you to be part of this conversation. So we've been having a lot of great conversations over at Peak Prosperity this week, last week, um, throughout all of it. Because guess what? There's a lot of things happening in the world right now. The hardest part about this job for me is figuring out what I'm not going to be talking about because there's so much going on. So the title of this one, Fauci Gets COVID, uh, came down to a little COVID last week. So do other people. Well, <clears throat> the thing about it is <laughs> um, if you get COVID and you've had the, what do we call it, the, the magic juice stuff, because I can't say it still, I can't, I can't talk about stuff here on this channel live because that's the world we live in we live in a world of mass formation psychosis where you're not allowed to there's certain verboten topics so we're going to have to dance around those a little bit today but but uh fauci getting covid national news um but if you're fauci and you get it and you've been jabbed and boosted Mm -hmm. of course you know what the requisite thing you have to say is thank god i'm vaxxed and boosted it could have been so much worse so my (laughs) symptoms are mild Left unsaid, of course, is that um, everybody who gets Omicron kind of reports the same thing, regardless of their status. Mm. It, it really is, uh, it's not a big deal relative to the earlier ones. But still, the mass psychosis lingers, and, and there it is. And so, of course, the other big news this week we're going to be talking about is that FDA and the CDC are now on the train for having approved boosters and shots for kids uh, ages six months to five years and as well big big news today on the second amendment with the supreme court striking down a nearly 100 year old law in new york new york is one of the most restrictive gun law states in fact we know when evie and i were taking our um concealed carry uh, certificate training permit training here in massachusetts the guy who was training us was a sergeant in the local police force in turner's falls mass and he said god hey uh even I won't dare bring my weapon to New York. Just don't do it because mm-hmm. he could end up uh, running a foul. Law enforcement from other states. It was that restrictive. We're not allowed to bring weapons in. Now, this doesn't change that, I'm sure. But but it just showed how restrictive uh, New York is in general. And so for the Supreme Court to weigh in and strike down, I believe, it was a 1911 law and say, hey, people have the right to protect themselves inside their home as well as outside. Second Amendment didn't parse that out, so we'll be talking about that because that's that's big news, um, all things considered. And what else I got on my little tray here tonight? Um, resilience. We got to talk about what it means to be resilient in this day and age because, oh my goodness, the conversation we've been we've been having back at Peak Prosperity. I've just been cranking out the content lately, talking about I'm all over the map. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Is Finance, okay. economics, uh, energy, energy policy, Europe. Hey, we got to we got to talk about Europe just a little bit. Germany in particular. I got a couple things on that, but um, it, it's Fauci. We got to go to Fauci to start with this whole wow, thing. You've, so you've got a lot in your mind. I do. What's on your mind? Oh, I, lots of things too. I'm I'm typically the, well, I don't know, that you're the yang. I'm the yin. I don't know. Well, <clears throat> to everybody listening, this here is the woman who has to listen to my rants every morning. <laughs> What? It's a pleasure. It really is. I, I enjoy it very much. 
maybe not everybody's cup of tea, but if it is your cup of tea, I guess it's all right. But boy, I rant some days. Oh my goodness. Do I ever, <laughs> I just, cause I got all this stuff in my head and I got to talk about it. So, um, well, let, let's go there. Let's, let's look at this. Uh, Ryan, pull this up. So this came out on June 15th. NIAID director Fauci tests positive for COVID-19 today. They said on June 15th, the director of the NIAID tested positive for COVID-19 on a rapid antigen chest test. Sorry, he is fully vaccinated and has been boosted twice. Um, with saline. With saline. <laughs> it's not always possible. Know. Who knows? He's currently experiencing mild symptoms. He will isolate and continue to work from home. He has not recently been in close contact with President Biden or other I almost read senile government officials. <laughs> That's senior. <Oops>. Sorry. <laughs> Total a Fauci and a slip. slip. <laughs> <laughs> but Kath, I love this part. NIAID conducts and supports research at NIH throughout the United States and worldwide. <clears throat> <laughs> including being the proud owners with a trademark stamp, creating, of course, the very same thing that Fauci now has. That's called karma. He now is experiencing his own lab-made virus because i am 99.99 percent sure this thing came out of a lab still not convinced which lab that's different i have to speculate some but i don't have to speculate that this thing came out of a lab mm -hmm. so that much is clear omicron too these both they, they both and by the way to be clear we can't call omicron a variant it's like you had your alpha strain that came out and then you had the D614G mutation. So we went into the beta lineage and then there were all these other mutations that happened and you could follow them along. And it's like, you know, the grandfather and the grandson and the grandmother, the granddaughter, you could follow these lineages along, but Omicron comes along and it's so different. It's just a completely new beast in essence, right? With so many mutations that Where'd this come from? And it just popped out. Allegedly, it came from four diplomats in Botswana. And that's all we ever found out about it. And then whoosh, down the memory hole, nobody seemed interested in finding out where did that patient zero come from? That would be, of course, the normal, ordinary, usual thing you would do when you have such a remarkable new thing happen, either COVID itself, SARS-CoV-2, or the Omicron strains. Who's patient zero? That's if you wanted to know and actually solve the mystery, though. Right. And here's what I've learned about the government these days. They're adept at this. They don't ask questions they don't want answers to. That's right. So if you just don't want to know the answer to that, if there is no patient zero, if you know patient zero has more in common with this glass than it does a human, <laughs> then, of course, you don't ask the question. Um, speaking of which, really nice piece of work by uh, Jots. Josh uh, Gutz now, he, he foia the CDC because remember all these people saying, well, you know, you can't really tell, VAERS doesn't tell you anything. Of course, VAERS isn't supposed to tell you anything. It's just an entry system. You log things in, and if you get a lot of signal in there, enough signal out of the noise, you get this spiky peak of signal, and somebody's mm -hmm. supposed to go look at that. And then Somebody's you go, supposed to analyze it? Then you go look at it, right? <laughs> but if you don't want to know the answer to the question, you don't analyze the spike, right? So it turns out through his FOIA, Josh discovered... He said, hey, CDC, what have you done with the VAERS data? And they said, we're not answering that question. So he FOIA'd again and finally got the answer back. And the answer was nothing. They didn't do anything with it. They performed no analyses. They sent him back a very nice letter saying, well, we didn't analyze it. Maybe that's the um, FDA's job. Punt. Wow. <laughs> Can you believe it? That's unbelievable. They actually didn't look into it. So only two options exist. 
They did, and it's a real embarrassing answer, and we'll have to dig hard to find out what that study looked like. Right. Or they didn't look into it because, again, you don't ask. Malfeasance. Well, yeah. you, don't ask, you don't ask questions if you're pretty sure you're not going to like the answer. That's disturbing, though, after everything that we've gone through around trying to get our minds around what this shot actually entails. Mm. That's bothersome. Yeah. So, well, thankfully, his symptoms are mild. That's what's for Fauci. <laughs> we can all be thankful for that. But again, he is experiencing his own virus in many respects. And we all got to experience that. And this is the thing that's a bit mystery, mysterious to me, is why aren't more people mad about that? I, I, people are mad about lots of things. Mm -hmm. They do the whole rats in a cage thing. I'm mad that you're not wearing a mask. You know, I've, we've seen that. Mm -hmm. I'm mad that you, you're not vaccinated, but I am, or vice versa. We've seen that. I have a thought about what might be going on. I don't know if this is true, but you know how people typically, as we're when we're children and we're growing up and there's a parent figure that's acting in a way that might be less than honorable, mm -hmm. it's, it's protective part of our psyche to not sort of connect the dots and to blame ourselves or somebody else rather than that individual that deserves the responsibility. I wonder if that could be part of it somehow, psychologically, like... Fauci and other people like him have been put on a pedestal in almost a godlike parental fashion where we sort of abdicate what we don't want to deal with or, or figure out for ourselves, you know? Well, some people have done that. And there's been a really incredible line of thinking or observation around the idea that to the extent people have removed any religion, God, spirituality, whatever you're going to take, you put in that spot, but the extent that's been removed, thinking, mm -hmm. oh, well, that's just an anachronism. I'll just get rid of this old dusty thing. It leaves that void, and then the void gets filled. But inappropriately, mm -hmm. with Pope Fauci, you have to fill something, you know, your faith. And if faith goes into the wrong place, whenever you have faith in an institution or a person that you don't know mm -hmm. really well, that is misplaced. Destined That's for right. trouble. I was talking about this with a really bright young man yesterday, actually, and he was saying that he understands why people have such a hard time sometimes, like with relationships falling apart or other situations where normally a person would be okay if they had to walk away from something, obviously mm -hmm. a little sad after a breakup or something, but that um, because we we put people on these pedestals that they become, in essence, a god mm -hmm. to us, and then we can't let them die appropriately or yeah. move on from that, you know, without yep. a lot of issues. I don't know. Yeah. It's real interesting, isn't it? Well, it's part of the whole mass psychosis formation, all of that. Now, the, the, the reason that Evie and I do what we do, we, we, we're talking to you now from our home studio, as it were. I think it came out pretty good. And we're in Western Mass, and we have a very resilient homestead that's getting more and more resilient because we're working on it every day and, and making sure that we're adding compost to the soil and planting new things and planting fruit trees and making sure the cows are healthy and all of that, fundamentally farming the soil, as it were, more than anything else. And the reason we do all of that is because we know that there's just a, an extraordinary period of disruption coming. And it's just unavoidable at this point in time. It doesn't matter who we elect or who we put our faith in or don't put our faith in. It's just math at this point. And that math is really just boils down to how much oil is left in the world or not left. Mm -hmm. What do you know about the net energy of that oil? And then how does that relate to our overall system of finance, which is just 100% out of control? I mean, it's been something watching the Federal Reserve. And by the way, Jay Powell looks like he aged about a decade last week. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's starting to weigh on him, right? Because he's, he's obviously caught between a rock and a rock. 
not even a hard place, two rocks. Um, and it's just, there's no good way out of this because there was many decades of central bank malfeasance of printing, 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 pretending like this was all going to work out. But the whole way along, we went from a single wage earner being able to support a single family to two wage earners barely being able to make it to in, with inflation because of all that money printing, kicking off to the point that San Francisco declared that if you're a household and you're only earning 108000 you are poor and you are worthy of 108 or less, you, you can get assistance. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that was their cutoff. That's their poverty threshold, you know? But Goodness. of course, like a little tiny 1,100 square foot house would be 1.5 million and on and on and on, right? So um, it is poor. Like, like how, do you, how would you even make it? And meanwhile, they keep telling us that our inflation that whole time is like, our inflation, your inflation's going up two and a half, it's too low. And I'm looking at my health insurance premiums going up 20, 30% every year, year after year, watching the number of things that health coverage would cover less and less. And then you start reading these, you know, awful stories of people like literally climbing out of ambulances because they don't, they don't want the bills, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. not that broken. You know, they hobble out of the... <laughs> You know, chest pains, terrible. I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll walk it off, right? So, but that's awful. That's what we do to ourselves. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of a civilization? One in decline. Does that to itself. <laughs> well, and then you have to watch it these. It has to be. It's totally in decline. I think somebody said it. The measure of society is how you treat your old, your infirm, and your, your very young. That is those who need your help mm. the most, who need your compassion, who need your support, hmm. who need your temperance. How do you treat them? Well, I haven't heard that before, but that that makes sense. Speaking of which, um, Massico is a terrible thing. Look at Zoe here. Zoe Whithall just came across this on Twitter yesterday, writing, I can't believe we have the choice between wearing masks in a slow, certain global extinction event, and we're choosing the latter. And this... <laughs> 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 I can't believe we have the choice between wearing masks in a slow, certain global extinction event. So a global extinction event would happen when your death rate, your mortality rate, exceeds your replacement rate. So Zoe, some math, people who are in, of childbearing age or below, that's, so let's call that 35 and down or something like that, they have a 99.97% survival rate off of this thing. Masks doesn't do anything about changing that. So it's still 99.97. And let me look it up here. <clears throat> Global fertility, birth rates, and mortality rates. Yeah, th that's going to never happen, <clears throat> that global <laughs> extinction event. But this is this is a view that she's holding. Where did that one come from? Is, has somebody been spouting it recently on one of the major networks or what? No, it's just been slowly ingrained. Remember all the BS? Think of all the BS we had to put up with so far, right? You heard Biden say, if you get vaccinated, you can't get COVID. You heard Fauci say, we have to get to herd immunity. We need 70% vaccinated, 70, 75, 80, 85. Oh, wait, Fauci saying, hey, these vaccines are 100% effective. No, they're 99, 98, 97. Remember? <laughs> that reminds me of that video. That video, remember that one? <laughs> On Rumble, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, where, where they flashed through. Yeah. Because it just sort of like worked its way down to like 46% effective the and all that. Yeah, yeah the efficacy, yeah, all that. goes down, it's hysterical. But left out of all of that the whole time, even still to this day, they're like, oh, you know, that there's this survival rate, there's the infection fatality rates, all that stuff. But they never fill it in. I have this asterisk in my head which says, 
vets without early treatment. That's like the worst that statistic can be. Just go home, come back when your lips turn blue. And we've, we've, every, every week I hear somebody say that that's still standard of care in a lot of communities with a lot of doctors, with a lot of hospitals. That's still standard of care. I guess it just takes a long time for information to trickle down or grow upward. I don't, I don't know. It seems ridiculous that we're still struggling with these very basic things. Well, maybe not. Um, I, I, I have data today that oh, shows that I think people aren't <laughs> struggling as much as they like to pretend they are, that they are out there in the mainstream media. And is this data weird, right? So this is, um, this is from the CDC, and it's looking at fully vaccinated. That's two or more doses by selected characteristics. What are those characteristics? All children aged 5 to 17 years. Right, and so they just put the jab for six months to five years, but this is all children five to seventeen years came out to great fanfare. They started doing it back there, uh, you know, a while ago last year in 2021, um, and here we are. It's kind of pe- peaked out at 43 percent, and it's been there since January. <laughs> it's weird. It's it's almost like a medical product with no known benefits for a particular age group, but unknown risks is proving not to be all that popular. I don't understand. Weird. That is weird. It's just weird. So this tells me that, um, yeah, 43% went for it, but that means uh, 57% didn't. That's actually a pretty big number. Yeah. And there's heavy pressure in many cases. Like, you can't go to school. And shame on the school administrators who are doing that. Shame shame on the school administrators Mm -hmm. who are doing that forcing function without really knowing what the data actually is. Because again, you'd have to show risk and benefit. Risk and benefit, what's the risk, what's the benefit? Have any of these cases gone gone before a, a legitimate court system? I mean, I know that I heard something about that potentially happening with uh, secondary education, colleges and whatnot, state schools, et cetera. People were questioning you know, why they wouldn't give any sort of um, exception for various students whether it's religious exemptions or something else but it's spotty so i heard of one school system in california that had uh, a judge struck down their mandate said nah no good (laughs) but a lot of colleges and universities still require it a lot of um uh, public service offices still require it uh and so on so but still you would think that that with this is So this is this is my rule of technology. If it really works, you don't have to pass a law making people use it. <laughs> They'll use it. Right? It's just how it is. And so this whole idea that you have to force people, and even with all the forcing, they're still saying, nah, bro. I mean, that's what that says right there. And it's like, that's like nothing. Like, it's flatlined. Like, nothing is going on basically this year. Well, children love shots, too. I mean... Yeah, they just they line right up for they, that. They do. <laughs> but that's like, that's just a flat line right there. Um, yeah. Since January, more or less. Very, very minor uptick and all of that. What I would want to know is if you put that and you said, how many of these children belong to, just making something up here, say Democratic households versus Republican households, I bet there's a, bet there's a, or independent, I bet there's a big, big difference in uptake. That's my yeah, guess. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, it's a sorting function. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of weird. But um, that gives me hope, actually, because it means that people are making decisions. And again, my position on this is very, very clear. These shots in particular, as currently configured, do nothing against Omicron. We have all the data. We've looked at it over and over again. Honestly, 
if all you have is two jabs, you are at more risk of actually catching this thing. So remember, it was supposed to be herd immunity, which means herd immunity means the vaccine is sterilizing. It stops. So if I have the uh, vaccine and it comes in and hits me, it doesn't go anywhere. It stops. That didn't happen with these. So they oversold that feature and function. And then they said, well, um, it'll prevent you from transmitting it. The answer is not to do that either. Um, and so, well, then it's going to stop you from getting a worse case of things. And it does in certain people above a certain age group for a little while. But mm-hmm. the data is still out. Now, here's the thing. If we could have an honest conversation about this, this would be a fabulous thing because we could talk about it and we could actually look at data and we wouldn't have to use code words. And I know there's a lot of doctors are very scared at oh, this point to talk God, about yeah. it because, of course, they would lose everything in this. Uh, Some people we licenses. know that's that's beginning to happen too, right? They're losing their um, <clears throat> yes, and you know what? permissions to... Next week, we're going to bring Pierre Corey on to talk about that because he's Ooh. facing that from the ABIM which is um, the certification board, they want to yank his license for passing misinformation, right? Like his, uh, not his license license, right? It's no, permission? No, board certification. Okay. Because right? I understand it. So we'll talk to him about that. He'll come on. That, um, that'll be great. You know, so it gets awkward at times because you have to ask these awkward questions. Noah put it really well, I thought, the other day. Remember, if someone young and healthy dies unexpectedly, it is improper to ask about their vaccination status. The question is only for important occasions, like entry to restaurants. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Oh, boy. Well, we got to laugh. We have to. It's I can't I keep thinking it can't get any more insane, but it, it obviously is. So, yeah. Yeah, and I see somebody saying I should do a video on SADS, which is sudden adult death syndrome, and I and I have, <laughs> I have done one. Mm-hmm. Um, I I put that over. That's over at Peak Prosperity at the site. Um, so here's something maybe a lot of you don't know is is at I do this out in public. Evie and I have a whole public thing we do, and then uh, there's Peak Prosperity the website, and so we have a membership there, and. I do this all day long. This is what I do. I analyze stuff. I figure stuff out. I pass it on. I'm trying to give people my edge is I see stuff before other people do, and I can convey it in a way that people can hear it. And so that's that's the edge. And so looking at the SADS thing, uh, I put that together in a quick video. I do little quick daily videos now over at Peak Prosperity. And if you become an insider, we have multiple levels of membership, but if you become an insider, you get access to that, which is me sitting down with a camera talking about Mm-hmm. shorter topics um, on a daily basis. And then, of course, we have our long-form stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got events. We've got content. We have other writers. I mean, we're just, listen, anything we can do to help you become more resilient, because i got to be honest, the WEF was correct. A lot of stuff's going to change by 2030. I don't think for the same reasons they're thinking it's going to change, but it's it's all changing, and it's going to be extraordinary. And being resilient is the most important thing And resilience to us is, of course, having lots of financial capital, if you can, things to learn about your financial education. Awesome. But it's all about being educated first. You have to know what's going on. Don't be a rat in a cage. A rat in a cage is getting shocked and doesn't know what the shocks are or Mm -hmm. why they're coming Mm -hmm. or who's administering them. Once you can resolve those things, the shocks are still shocking. But now they don't lead to inappropriate behaviors where you end up blaming yourself, your partner, your spouse, your neighbor. Uh Uh-uh. We extract up a level and we're able to still move even though the shocks are coming because there's shocking things happening right now. Also, rem- remind people to pick up your book, Prosper. I think that's a really incredible book in terms of 
resilience and mm -hmm. and becoming more prepared because it's not just the financial capital as you're talking about it it's many other things yeah. that that give us a rich and fulfilling life yeah prosper talks about the eight forms of capital building up eight different forms it's it's good people give it rave reviews and say it changes their lives and for the better and and i think it, it can and does it's framing framing i love framing you know, it's a it's a way of looking at the world that allows you to parse through it more quickly because you, you sort of already understand it, right? It's kind of like if all you did was work on a car engine, but you didn't understand that there was a whole class of things called internal combustion engines, and you learned how to, learned how to fix an amazing 12-cylinder Bugatti engine, every component, you knew all of that, but the first time you saw like a, a little Honda lawnmower engine, you might be like, what? You know, so the frame of understanding what an internal combustion engine is more globally is is gives you an edge in that biz so all right let, let's let's talk now about the show okay sorry people in germany europe in particular more generally but you're oh my god you have some shocks coming let's start with step five in this story blame russia look at this germany triggers gas alarm stage this is big news today accuses russia of economic attack oh really yeah <laughs> We don't want your things. You're bad. Blah, 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 blah. How dare you put conditions <laughs> on that valuable product you're trying to sell us oh, for boy. currency units? But let's that's step five. Let's go through the other steps. Step one, uh, Germany joined sanctions against Russia. Harsh economic sanctions, right? And they went against individual oligarchs, right? You know, these are people who hadn't been charged with anything, who hadn't particularly personally done anything wrong, but they were Russian. So they went up. So anyway, that was step one. And they had money. And they had money. They joined all these sanctions against Russia, which Russia could have said, eh, it feels kind of economic attacky to us. Step two was send heavy weapons into Ukraine. Hey, now we're just trying to kill your people, right? It's not personal. Nothing personal, but that's what we're doing. <laughs> How dare you punch back? Um, step three, they seized Russian assets, particularly in Germany. They seized some assets like buildings and equipment that belonged to Gazprom. They seized it just like that's ours now. Wow. Step four, they refused to pay for Russian gas and rubles because Russia's saying, all right, you're going to be that way. We got gas, but you got to pay us in rubles. They're like, no, there's a contract. There's rules. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you can't point to any rules under Y1, 2, or 3. Actually fit within other rules. But then, <laughs> then we get to step five, which is blame Russia. Uh, okay, Germany. This is really serious. The, 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 this there are three alarm stages, as you know, in Germany for... Uh, an energy emergency and you already went through stage one which is kind of like warning stage two it gets pretty darn serious now and this is because russia who knows what the actual story is but they said this part is true that there are some compressors they needed to continue operating the main pipeline that still feeds gas into germany from russia russia said well sanctions it's sitting in in canada and canada said we're not sending it to you and the company that was reconditioning it is siemens a german company so no, you can't have your equipment. You have to keep sending us gas. And so Russia said, not doing it. So they had to shut down one of their compressor stations, which cut off a third of the flow. But Germany's at the end, the very, very end of the whole pipeline. <laughs> That's right. So they, they only got, <laughs> oh, no. they lost 60% of their gas flows. This is going to be exceedingly bad Ooh, for Russia. That's going to be painful. It's going to be cold and painful. Oof. I mean, we're talking, this is an economic shock that... You can't fix with printing money and, you know, pass some other laws condemning whoever you want. None of that matters. When you take uh, an economy and a people and you starve them for energy, bad things happen. It's, it's very simple. So, 
so is this going to, what do you think this is going to affect? Is it going to be like commercial and industrial stuff? Is it also going to be? Um, is that our Dan oh, Edwards? I think it is. Is, this, is Dan Edwards hey. from up the street? Shout out to Dan, if yeah. that is. Hey, buddy. <laughs> uh, but also. <laughs> Stop on by for a visit. Yeah, definitely. We miss you. Uh, is it going to be affecting how people can heat their homes? Is it oh, going to yeah. be industrial? Like, where do you think it's going to really hit Ooh, that population? Question. Yeah, so German gas from memory, um, roughly speaking, about a third goes into their industry and mm-hmm. about a third actually just goes straight into residential. Not quite as a whole third, but it's it's a big number. And then a lot of the rest goes into producing electricity, which goes into both both places. But industry needs it a lot, right? They have to heat things, melt things, mm-hmm. make things, you know, use it as a building block chemically to create other things out of it. So um, it's a very industrially useful product, of course, mm-hmm. and one that you can't replace with wind towers. No. So and anyway. If, and if you don't have the right kind of situation in your home, like if you don't have a wood stove... It, but even what would a different type of fuel? What, what would you, you burn? Europe doesn't have forests like we do over here. Not quite the same. They have to, I've never but been. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot more packed up. <laughs> Remember once pictures. upon a time, if you cut the king's tree down, they would just hang you. You know, there's a reason because they were pretty much out of wood at that point in time. Thankfully, coal came along and allowed people to live even more densely, and then oil and all of that's a very big sure. story. But um, so this process. Um, the end of the world and you know it yeah absolutely um it's how the, the future is not going to look anything like the past so that's so last week I, we were traveling last week and so what we did was we we a little blast from the past we pulled a piece from march 12 2020 called the adjustment reaction which is an awesome piece of work by peter sandman and his wife looking at how people respond to emergencies and so the adjustment reaction really speaks to the idea that, that what you need to do when a new risk surfaces is evaluate it quickly, make some decisions, and, and move. And that's hard to do. And so when we're at a turning point like we're at right now, the adjustment reaction is going to really be the defining factor between whether some people thrive, some merely survive, and some don't survive at all. So that's why I do what I do as much as I can is because I think to help with the adjustment reaction, the first thing you have to have is context. You gotta know what's happening. Super helpful. You have to see it coming. So this German stuff we just talked about, this is completely predictable that that gas is missing in action. Yes, their storage isn't all that bad for this time of year right now, but they're getting 60% less from one of their major supplier producers. And then of course, week and a half ago in the United States, one of our main LNG export terminals in Freeport, Texas, went and blew up. Um, and it's out of commission to the end of this year. So put all that together, and it's it's a, a pretty seriously st- bad situation for Germany. Of course, I've been talking about this for, for months. Now I think it's, you can read more mainstream articles. Soon it will sort of become common knowledge. <clears throat> so I think we're almost there. Almost there. Almost there, at least with the, this particular energy piece. But the, the larger framing may not be. I mean, people still, I think, legitimately believe articles like that blaming Russia for where we're at in this story, but I, I think the the issue is much broader and, and more complex than that. Well, I know why course. the politicians do that, right? Of course, they, they do it that way because their alternative is to fess up and say, oh, it's our fault, my bad, right? Maybe we shouldn't have antagonized our primary energy supplier without having a plan. <laughs> Maybe we should have thought that through, but we didn't. 
It's just it's how it is. Uh, so many missteps right now. And that's why I talk about COVID a lot and what's happened with the NIH, the CDC, the FDA, or your equivalent in your countries. I think it was just the Dutch health minister Fauci equivalent just came out yesterday and said, uh, he was asked a question directly. If we knew then what we know about vaccines now, would we put them in kids? And he said, no. Hmm. But we didn't, you know, at the time we made the right decision. But looking back now, we would say no. I'm like, data hasn't changed, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it just hasn't. What changed is it's becoming completely obvious that now no is the correct answer, at least there. And to all those people who did not, the 57% who did not, um, you know, uh, partake, right? It's becoming completely obvious. So this is important. We talk about this a lot. How do things, how do things change? Things don't change with data. They change when, so this is private knowledge. Even though we're broadcasting this, you and I and Evie, we each, we're holding private knowledge. So I'm sharing with you this stuff. And private knowledge is just something that you know and I know. But you and I both know that everybody doesn't know this yet. And so when something becomes common knowledge, things change like that. So our job is to make things become common knowledge. And common knowledge exists when everybody knows that everybody knows. <laughs> That's what you need. Everybody, so I look at this data here um, and I say, oh, a lot of people have figured it out, but not everybody. We, it's, not, it's not okay. Here's all you know it's okay to talk about this. When you're on a train or a bus or some other public place and you feel like you can talk in full volume with your friend about this and not have people turn around and give you invasion of the body snatchers, Donald <laughs> Sutherland screams, right? When you don't have to be sotto voce. Or talking code, you know? I know. Where are our signs when we need them? We don't have them right so now. So if you get the cerveza sickness and you have to take the magic juice, ixnay on <laughs> I know. <laughs> that old thing. No, that's so that's our job. Our job is to get this out into common knowledge. I know people out there are, are struggling with the same as us, which is you know people who still aren't anywhere close to being able to receive this information because they're caught on the wrong side of the story and, and trapped in a in a place where they can't receive any new data, right? Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. And there's a lot of data out there. You want to know what? Here, let me see if I if I put this in here because this to me was just was just nuts. Um, did I put that? Did I put that in here? Yeah, my this this was nuts. So, and they put a nice <laughs> picture of him up here, but of course, if you saw the picture, Justin Bieber like has the whole Bell's palsy and is just droop a doop on one side <laughs> of his face, and his wife went to the hospital with a brain clot. What? I yeah, didn't hear just about prior, that part. Right? And of course, The Hill very helpfully comes out and says, no evidence. Justin Bieber's facial, facial paralysis tied to COVID-19 vaccine, experts say. <laughs> so my question is, well, what would evidence look like? Mm. There's no such thing as, there's no, this pr evidentiary proof that they're calling for here does not exist in medicine. It might surprise you to find out that there is no direct proof that aspirin helps with aches and pains it's all anecdotal it's all anecdotal we give it to people and they tell us stuff can't rely on that where's the proof wow we don't have proof there's no proof that's right? an interesting way to look at it it's very hard to prove things in medicine it's exceedingly hard and that's one of the tricks in this game you watch where they go with like here's proof here's proof to people on that side oh 
Fauci had jabs and his symptoms are mild. <laughs> Proof. See how that works? <laughs> yes, I <laughs> oh, do. Oh, <laughs> this person had the jabs in their face droop. Eh, there's no connection. That's nah. weird. Right? <laughs> but remember them talking about this way back in the beginning? Gu- yeah. Guillain- Barre sin- yeah. syndrome, like that's a thing. It's how, a thing. how are they somehow disconnecting it right at this moment in time? Well, this is what happens in, in science is that you often have a temporal association and it's a correlation. And that tells you that there's if, if it happens every single time, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we put rubber bands around people's arms and their arms fall off and we do that over and over again, we go, these might be connected events. <laughs> Right? We're so bright. <laughs> well, it's how it is. So so that temporal association is really, really important. And by the way, there are things that happen. People get exposed to things, and it's a decade later when the impact happens, and those are very hard to connect. Right? That's what's terrifying very to me about hard. these things, and, the, and that chart in particular. The children that they're deciding now to put, the younger children that yeah. they're deciding to put this into, who can't even tell you if something's wrong. Yeah. Right? Those children are going to grow up and have an unknown quantity or quality of life. As a result, yep, that bothers me. Yep, and and here's the here's that. the thing. So so in the case of of Bell's palsy, um, and uh, hey, greetings, T. Schaefer from uh, Buenos Aires. I spent a month in Buenos Aires. I really liked it. By the way, yeah. pretty excited that uh, Argentina is reporting larger and larger uh, fossil fuel outputs from their Vaca Muerta um, shale formation. They're getting both gas and oil. They are potentially going to be in the position of not having to import any longer, if they can continue the trend they're on, that changes a country's wealth instantly when you are no longer hemorrhaging money for your primary inputs, which is food and fuel. How long will that last, though? It's a pretty big deposit, so it's going to last a while. Oh, yeah. Um, But the first thing is, this is, is for for people who are like, you know, where's the edge play? Like, like where would I go to invest? I'm telling you, Argentina is going to absolutely barring its own internal corruption and other things it has to resolve, but but it now has the building blocks to actually do something extraordinary, which is turn the corner on a very, very long era of slowly bleeding out um, its value. Yeah, so, they've had a rough pretty exciting several years. For them, um, because of course fossil you know, energy is is every, it's, it's it's everything. Nah, it doesn't matter. Nah, nah, we don't nah. need it. So <laughs> but at any rate the way it works here is, is so let's say let's say that, that if we took a million people and the normal rate of Bell's palsy was 200 per year in that population. And then we do something, we do a medical intervention, and it suddenly goes to 400. I can tell you, I can guarantee you that some of those 400, like half of them, 200, are because that's the next four location Then Mr. Fixie says Argentina. Yes, uh, terrorists are going to be found down there or something. What an awful uh, leadership they <laughs> Let's have. hope it doesn't turn into the resource <laughs> curse. It's a thing, okay? Um, but so, so, but to the, these experts would say, you can't prove that that Bell's palsy, because we have 200 normally in a year, but now it's 400. You can't prove that that one was because of that. But I can tell you mm. that that intervention caused 200. I can't tell you which of them, per se, right, if right, right. all of those people had the magic you know, intervention. But if it turned out that 200 didn't and 200 did, and this is entirely where that it's now very strong. It's a very strong association. Mm-hmm. So this whole thing is just nuts how this has all been played out. It's not science. It's just not science. What did you say the other day? Oh, I don't know if I can say it. It's a swear word. Swear word. That's <laughs> not science. That's bull beep. 
We'll have to put that one in sign language. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so, wait, let me pull up to um, this then because... Uh, where did I put that? I put it here. So... So I got to tell you, I'm really horrified and disturbed by this. This bothers me a lot. This is, of course, there's two sides on this. One side is very excited and proud. This is a proud moment for a lot of people. Um, they're glad to be filmed doing this. They put this out, um, and this is showing Reuters excitedly showing that babies and toddlers now receiving their first COVID vaccine at the Children's National Health Research Campus in Washington, D.C. Um, and so they're very excited by this. Now, here's the thing. This is a video? Yeah. Um, baby cries, but everybody's like, yay, I'm pretty excited by that. There's no data from, no, there's literally zero data from the trials that were conducted because they only did it on 4,000 some kids, about 3,000 dropped out. So we don't even know what happened there, but then there was about a thousand and then there were like 10 cases that, and again, it was kind of murky. What are they calling an endpoint and what constituted COVID and was, was it antibodies was, it was a little murky. Right, it could have got. The, and they there said could have been a benefit or eighty percent effective. But when you looked at the error <laughs> bars on this thing, it could have been eighty percent. Could have been minus three hundred eighty percent. Can't say for sure. It's somewhere in there, <coughs> but there's no data. <laughs> no. No data. No, it's horrifying. So, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't torture me with that video. That would bother me. <coughs> no, it. I didn't want. I didn't want to show you that one. So then, then there's this, which uh, we did looked at together. June twenty second, New York Times. COVID news, very young children in New York City finally get their vaccine shots, a pandemic milestone. Oh, thank goodness. In a city that was once the center of COVID-19, many parents have been eager to vaccinate their youngest children. The CDC endorsed the shots over the weekend. This is a picture of a woman, Jamie Wolf, with her four-year-old daughter. And um, the article writes that she was extremely excited about the arrival of vaccines for young children. It's become a fad. <laughs> Why would you be extremely excited? I, I don't know. They're, are they exaggerating? I don't think so. I think some people are extremely excited. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get excited about that? those kind of things. I'm not sure. I'd, I'm a little, I, I don't know. But anyway, if you, if you look at the, <laughs> she says, she says, quote, Jami says, we've been, we, 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 I'm sure your kids have been totally excited, lady. Yeah, We've exactly. been waiting for this for as long as the pandemic has started. I was practically first in line when they rolled out the vaccines for five to 12 year olds. And I plan to be first in line, so to speak, for this rollout too. Her um, daughter doesn't seem so happy about that. <laughs> no, I plan to be first in line. I know. Me, I, we. That's that generation, right? Uh, that's disturbing. That's really unhealthy. <laughs> I have to tell her. I need to call Jamie and just let her know that that's... That's not a good thing for your kids. Mm. I, I find that really I mean, disturbing. I'm a mother, too, so it's not like I'm speaking from not having any skin in this game. I do. Mm -hmm. I have children. I have two daughters. You know, one's younger, one's older, and the older one can make her own decisions. But the younger daughter, I mean, both of them, I feel, um, are in no shape or form, you know, in a in a situation where they would be in danger of this virus. And I would not put something like that in them. And I've... They've had most of their other shots, you know, they're up to date. They went to school, college, blah, blah, blah. But goodness, I I just can't imagine all those question marks. Those would keep me up at night. Wouldn't that keep you up at night as a parent? If you didn't know what this, vi what this, excuse me, what 
these vaccines would potentially do in the future. Well, let's imagine for a moment that, that you, you are all excited. Maybe you're misinformed. You do this mm-hmm. and then something happens, right? And so we've, we've heard the horror stories and there are a lot of them and they're very dark. When it. that happens, you know what happens next? You are on your own because you're going to get gaslit by the medical professions, the doctors, the experts are going to say that couldn't possibly be related to that. There's going to be no help from the federal government nothing you will just be pushed off to the side like maddie to gary right like maddie to gary you're you're just so much collateral damage on on this highway um you just get pushed to the side and that happens to lots and lots of people and that that's that's the worst part to me so again how a culture treats it's very old it's very young it's infirm those who are in need of, of our best support is a mark of that culture in some way shape or form so this is um yeah I like that accountability. That makes sense to me, the way you said that. Hey, look at this one. Peak Prosperity Team is awesome. Hey, thanks, Jessa. Big thank you from Canberra, Australia. Please consider having Neil McCoy Ward, the Isle of Man, on your show. I would love to see this. Hey, that's a great suggestion. Neil and I, we had a little conversation just um, a couple months ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, Mike made the connection. So oh, great. He'd had, he had COVID at the time, so he, he was apologizing all the time. <laughs> Very politely, Aww. his British accent, and, and saying sorry that his brain was a little foggy, but uh, he thinks a lot like we do. And so that would be a good good lineup, Suggesta. Thanks for that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That would be a good <clears throat> a good conversation to have. So, um, but let's, let's, so, so much of this is like a psychodrama now. L- let's talk about how, so, so remember this, I, I just blame Russia. It reminded me of this. Um, unfortunately, I have a little experience with narcissists, and so this comes from uh, some some work I, I've d- done in the past and understood. And here's a tip. This is life pro tip time, right? A narcissist is somebody who just pushes over your boundaries constantly. And when you finally set a boundary, they will often experience that as an attack. It's not like, uh, you know, they don't, they don't allow that. So they say, when you set boundaries against a narcissist, you will experience abuse. The narcissist will interpret your boundaries as a narcissistic injury. Oh my God, I can't believe you did that to me. When you're <laughs> simply saying, please stop yelling at me. Oh my God, <laughs> it's terrifying. You declaring your independence will be met with steep consequences. And this is Russia saying, hey, we're a country. We get to do what we want to do here. You know, and Germany's like, that's an attack. <laughs> oh, I have the narcissist prayer. I had to pull it up. Oops. Oh, good. The narcissist prayer. <laughs> the I narcissist love this prayer. prayer. A what narcissist prayer. Lay it on me. Number one, that didn't happen. Number two, and if it did, it wasn't that bad. And number three, if it and if it was, that's not a big deal. Number four, and if it is, that's not my fault. And if it was, I didn't mean it. And if I did, you deserved it. <laughs> I guess there are a couple versions of this floating around on no, the that's, internet. No, that's a great. That's a great one. You, you want to go go over it again? <laughs> nah, that didn't happen. Nah, but if it did, wasn't that bad? Wasn't that bad? <laughs> <laughs> and if it was, yeah, it probably wasn't that big a deal. But uh, if it was, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it. It wasn't my fault. Yeah, if wasn't I my did, fault. You deserved it, obviously. And if it was, well, yeah, then you deserved it. <laughs> I, I'm familiar with that, sadly, as well. I know, I know. And so this is why it's so important to have these conversations right now because the world has so many huge changes coming and we need adults in charge and we are just out of adults at this point in time. 
watching the Biden administration flail as it tries to concoct an energy policy, which 12 months ago consisted of dumping on fossil fuel companies to now trying to harangue them into being different and coming up with more stuff to Biden just yesterday saying gas station owners were at war. This is no time to charge too much for your product. Lower your prices like the economic ignorance of that statement is astonishing to me. How can you possibly think that the people most responsible for setting the price of fuel are the people at the very end of the chain? <laughs> These people operate on pennies per gallon margins. Right. It's ridiculously tight. The gas station up the street that undercuts by four cents gets all the business. I mean, this is a thin margin business, but but that's economic ignorance. It's like, well, when I see an $8 cucumber at the store, it must be the store's fault. It's like, oh, boy. <laughs> Where do we, yeah, we where don't do we have even leaders. start with that. We just don't. Well, now they're talking about opening up uh, drilling off the coast. Really? Yeah. I didn't hear about this. Yes, yeah, they just floated the trial balloon today. Where? I don't know. Some news thing I was reading. No, I mean like oh, where? East Coast, West Coast. Oh, know, okay. Off the coast, the coastal Somewhere shelves. Somewhere in the ocean. Yeah, may, may have some more stuff. So someday, you know, the coast of of the east coast of the united states might look more like the gulf of mexico you know rigs and great i'm so excited flares <laughs> very exciting <laughs> poor marine life my god Ah, uh, yeah <clears throat> no i mean but uh, but just just think about like that how fast that turned right so i have a lot of people ask me all the time like like well chris are you advocating we burn fossil fuels i'm not advocating i'm just telling you we're gonna burn them right that's what's gonna happen that's what humans are gonna do and right now in Europe, they're attempting to restart coal-fired plants as if you just sort of turn them back on. There's a big switch off, back on. doesn't work that way. <clears throat> Somebody wrote in, and one of the comments at, at Peak Prosperity laid down what's actually involved. I love That's what I love about the tribe is we get these people who have a lot of experience and a lot of real wealth of, of stuff to share. And they were sharing that it turns out that there are pumps and things have to be shut down in the right order. And if certain things don't stay pressurized, but... Most importantly, the big turbine itself that sits inside the, the turbine shaft outside the boiler, that thing is this giant, massive piece of metal that has to rotate on a smooth axis. And if you don't rotate them frequently, they sag over time. Like the metal is so heavy, it pulls. And now it's a oh, wow. rotor that doesn't work because it's out of true. <laughs> um, like a badly balanced tire on the front of your car. Like that's awkward. But when it's a turbine, it's explosively dangerous. So at any rate... It's going to be a while, but look at what just happened. Germany said, no more coal plants. We're getting rid of nuclear, both for green reasons. We're going to put up a bunch of wind and solar. They invested extraordinarily big on all that stuff, and push comes to shove, and they're like, how quick can we get these coal plants back on? So I don't worry about, are people going to burn the energy? We're going to. I worry about we're going to burn it for dumb stuff, like to create more economic growth. Or something like that. I know. I know. <laughs> right. Instead of creating systems or uh, well, here's something th that anybody who owns a house knows this. Anybody who has a building, anybody who has a business, understands that it takes a certain amount of energy just to maintain what you have. So I'm a little bit of a conservationist. I'm conservative in the sense that I think at a minimum we should not lose what we have. So I'm kind of starting to get that vibe like I want to be a 13th century monk in Ireland, right? <laughs> Let's at least keep these parchments around, you know, cause so so we can get a, a quick start when, when times get started again. Because we could really lose a lot of things. And in particular, if we say, oh, we're going to spend our energy growing so we have more bridges, more buildings, more this, more that – 
you understand at some point when that energy starts to nose over that it takes energy just to maintain stuff, right? Yeah. Your concrete has to be replaced because it had rebar in it, which spalled and, and rusted and, and shattered, right? You, or asphalt. <laughs> or asphalt. It needs to be dug up and remelted and put back down with new stuff on and on and on. Just it takes energy. So at a certain point, it's going to take a certain amount of energy just to keep what we have. Not more of it keep it. But I'm worried that our leaders are all about, well, how can we get growth going fast again? That's what the Federal Reserve is doing the whole time. It's like, how much money do we have to print to make growth happen? Mm, mm-hmm. We don't care what happens. Growth is so important. See, this is what happens when you have For a bad narrative. For its own sake. Yep. Yep. Oh, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah, just <clears throat> growing, 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 growing. And we're at the end of the age of growth. So now it's time to be responsible. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. But we have so much marketing around this idea that we have to grow all the time. That it feels to me like a lot of what's happening with Russia right now is actually this a big, giant, resource-rich, poorly or low-populated country. And I think the West has some pretty strong designs on it. In fact, hmm. we were just asked this question in our live cast, which we did for our members yesterday at uh, Peak Prosperity. Somebody asked, hey, what do you think about this, about this um, that Russia needs to be colonized? What did they call it? It's yeah, Russia. Russia needed to be um, basically yeah, broken up and and you know it, for their own sake. Mm-hmm. They need to be reformed, changed, broken up, and and so there's a group of people in Europe that are now openly talking about that. And Russia's over here going, dude, we have nukes. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> Just stop it, right? Because <clears throat> Russia actually wants to be independent. They want to be their own person, and this is unacceptable to some mm. people out there. They mm-hmm. want to. They want to be what they are. I remember at the time. You remember Putin would get hugely demonized because they had this group, the um, this sort of avant-garde music group, Pussy Riot, that was like really pushing the boundaries of what was acceptable over there, and and they just kept saying stop, and then we'd put them in jail, right? Because they're like they're not going oh, down. Yeah. They're not going down any of this woke like you know. Like, that's just their culture. They said, no, no, you guys, you, you want to do that. That's fine. But we're not doing that. And that was unacceptable to us, to our press, to our thought mm-hmm. leaders, mm-hmm. to all of that. Um, and so the culture wars, I think Russia's committed many sins to the West. And one of them is they refuse to engage in the culture nonsense. I think they do. Strangely, through this whole thing, the arc of this more recent story with them, I see them in a different light than I have before. Not saying I think Putin is a good man or an individual. I don't have a close enough relationship to him to understand how to judge him in that sense. But I I find myself more and more uh, at least playing devil's advocate to whatever the mainstream media is telling me, you know. I don't trust anything the mainstream media says anymore. Balkanized. I don't trust any of it. Ah. Balkanized. Yeah, let's balkanize Russia. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, MC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Not then. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so, yes. Um, we love Dr. Dr. Robert Malone. He's all a right. friend of ours. He is. He is. From Robin uh, Vickstrom. Have you heard about Robert Malone? He seems to have similar opinions as you. Uh, yes, I, I actually know Robert reasonably well. Um, he's, a, he's, he's the genuine article. He's thoughtful, full of integrity, mm-hmm. um, and is going to do the right thing. I count on him to do the right things as he sees it. I have a poem for just this moment. You do? Yeah. Okay. It's called The Journey by Mary Oliver, who's one of my favorite poets. Uh, she passed away in 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, she 
actually grew up in New England and lived in this area. So I think her, I don't know if that's why her poetry speaks to me so, but perhaps it will speak to you. Uh, One day you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried, but you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible. It was already late enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds and there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world determined to do the only thing you could do determined to save the only life that you could save your own mm-hmm. mm, yeah yeah in, in in all of this i found that my integrity is what matters to me most of all that i only want to hang out with other people who display high levels of integrity that i don't have time for trivial pursuits anymore and wasting time and having small talk and all of that i just i'm violently unable to anymore my eyes just start yawning insanely when i run into a super boring how's the super bowl this year conversation and so the the model that we use at peak prosperity is that we think that yes there are a lot of other people who share that sort of attribute like no this is serious let's have real conversations let's have lots of context do we know what's right and truthful no but we sure know what the bullshit is so you know can we have those really deep meaningful conversations which ultimately coalesces into us being a tribe mm-hmm. we have a tribe and there are other tribes out there and and we're starting to interact with all these other tribes and, and we're fundamentally built the same huge Venn diagram overlap because what we really care about is trying to make sense of the world and not being distracted by all the meaningless distractions that happen out there that the world is is seeming to throw at us specifically just to keep us distracted so sure um and to leave something better behind right yeah that we don't uh at the expense of the future future generations make poor decisions today that injure those that come after us. We really want to leave something behind that's worth inheriting. Yes. So this is a, a, a comment that just came in this morning, um, part of a customer service exchange. And this person wrote, this is a great opportunity to tell you and all at PP, Peak Prosperity, how much I enjoy and value Peak Prosperity as a retired physician I began listening to Chris's analysis of the CV studies, coronavirus studies, and implications. Greatly admire his clear and impeccably accurate discussions lately. I, who am pretty ignorant about financial matters, have benefited greatly from his analyses concerning energy and the economy. Lastly, since I have lost many friends here by standing up to oppose the government line on coronavirus, I treasure the PP community. You make me feel less alone. And a small cadre of awake people has newly formed here. I'm able to share Peak Prosperity info with them. We all benefit from your work. Heartfelt thanks again to all of you. Best wishes. And I blacked out his name, um, HS. So thank you for that, HS. That was wonderful. I love receiving those, but I thought he captured really, really well what our community is really about. We've all lost friends because we dared to do something like stand up for data and the truth and having conversations Mm -hmm. wherever they happen to go. Like, really? I, I, I can't ask the question. Like, there, there was this <clears throat> thing that just came every single day. We hear about somebody who's in their 20s dying or 
you know, not not getting out of bed the next morning. Or I don't know if anybody else saw this, but there was a because it hit the news, a synchronized swimmer. She just ended up at the bottom of the pool, just passed out mid routine, and her trainer had to go in and pull her out. They didn't mention her status because, of course, you can't ask that wow. unless she's going to a restaurant, and you could ask her. Um, but but we, we have more and more and more of that stacking up and that it's and that it's weird that you have to create a special place where people can come and talk about this stuff. But it's true. And these are big deals. So thank you for that, HS. Um, and, and as well, if you don't understand the intersection between energy and the economy, this is going to be a cage, shocking cage moment for you. It's really a big deal. And. Pay no attention to what the price of oil is doing. It's down a little bit this last week. The United States is releasing it furiously from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Who cares? Just look at supply, demand. Extraordinary story there. And um, it's going to be really quite bad as we go forward. So <clears throat> what do you do if you have a super over-leveraged financial system with tons of debt, even more un and underfunded liabilities like Social Security, Medicare, pensions. What do you do? Well, that's why we keep hearing about this thing called the Great Reset, you know? But what is a Great Reset? The Great Reset simply says, look, we have way too much debt. We can't possibly pay it. But if we just cancel that debt, the holders of the debt lose out, and the people who are the debt ease win. That's no good, because that means rich people lose out, and generally speaking, average people win. <laughs> that's wrong. That's a complete perversion of everything we believe in. So that's not going to happen. So we're going to do this great reset. But what would it look like? Mm. Re what does that mean? Reset what? How do you reset a monetary system? This brings us to central bank digital no, currencies. No. We're going to have to go. We're going to have to go there. <laughs> we're going to have to talk about them. The so-called CBDCs, central bank digital Phew. currencies. So if you've looked at everything that's happened with the CD, as that uh, last doctor put it, if, if you watch the pattern, everything, everything has been about stifling questioning, stifling data, all in the interest of pushing forward a single narrative. And that single narrative has been about compliance. Mm -hmm. We don't care if you think you've, you have natural immunity. We're going to ignore natural immunity for the first time ever in all of human history because it's a thing. Even George Washington knew about it. People are like, oh, you know, he... He enforced smallpox vaccinations on people. Yeah? Did you know that he didn't do that for people who'd already had smallpox? Because, duh, natural immunity, right? It's been a thing for a long time. <laughs> so, But it wasn't, wasn't in 2020. Lost the thread on that because they weren't interested in that story. What they were interested in, of course, was this whole idea of compliance and how do you get to compliance. And one of the greatest tools of compliance is going to be these CBDCs. I ran across this article first um, from a position paper Back in 2019, I think it was. At any rate, in the Telegraph, they write here, the Bank of England tells ministers to intervene on digital currency programming. The Bank of England saying, hey, look, we can do these digital currencies if you want. But there's some really critical social issues that really belong to the political sphere, not us directly, because we can't make those decisions over here. But they're really saying, please make these decisions and we'll implement them. Tom Mutton, a director at the Bank of England, said during a conference on Monday that programming could become a key feature of any future central bank digital currency in which the money would be programmed to be released only when something happened. What does that mean? What does he mean by that? He said, you could introduce programmability. What happens if one of the participants in a transaction puts a restriction on the future use of that money? Hmm. There could become socially beneficial outcomes from that. 
say, preventing activity, which is seen to be socially harmful in some way. Mm. But at the same time, it could be a restriction on people's freedoms. So, well, you guys figure this out. That's creepy, right? right? It's like Canada, basically. Yeah, or... exactly. So continuing in this article, quote, a digital currency could make payments faster, cheaper, and safer. It could. Yeah, it could do that. But also opens up new technological possibilities, including programming effectively allowing a party in a transaction such as the state or an employer to control how the money is spent by the recipient. Mm. One potential use could be control over benefits payments, said Sandra Rowe, chief executive of the Global Blockchain Business Council. Sounds big. I wonder what that is. The Global Blockchain Business Council. Is there such a thing? I guess there is. She compared a programmed digital currency to the U.S. system of paying benefits and vouchers as it could have a similar goal of restricting the recipient to buying only essentials, such as food, with the money. <coughs> A Treasury spokesman said programmability is a potential feature of a central bank digital currency. A potential feature. So programmability. So programmability, like, hey, citizen, you are a troublemaker. Your CBDC only works within a five-mile radius of your home. That's it. It doesn't work outside of that. And you can't buy beer, and you can't... <laughs> you, no, you can't buy beer, right? And on and on and on. Like like that level of control, of course, this is like a, con a control freak's wet dream, right? This is just the thing, oh my God, this is amazing. Think of all the things we could do. We could find racists and cut them off. We could, f you know, yeah, but you know how this is going to work, right? It's going to be the road to hell is paved with the best of intentions. Mm. This is going to be something that is going to be used and then misused almost instantly. Oh, yeah. In fact, it's going to be impossible to actually make those kind of ethical or moral decisions. And then yeah. it's going to give rise to all sorts of issues with people's privacy. I mean, it already has. Obviously, it has. But well, goodness. but this, I mean, it's here, right? Mm -hmm. So China, in China, this is just from June 15th. So China, there was a bank run. So there's a bank and all these people wanted to go get their money out. And of course, pe people in China have this moment where they get pretty agitated when they can't get their money out of a bank. And so there's a, a bit of a cultural phenomenon there to go and protest outside the bank. So there was this bank run, all these victims planned to protest. They were going to show up and check this out. Check this out. Um, Liu, a 39-year-old tech worker in Beijing, arrived in the central city of Zhengzhou on Sunday with all the boxes ticked to travel under China's very stringent COVID restrictions. He had tested negative for COVID-19 the day before. His hotel had confirmed he could be checked in. The health code on his phone app was green, meaning he'd not been exposed to other people or places deemed risks, therefore was free to travel. Wow. Cool. But when Liu scanned a local QR code to exit the Zhengzhou train station, his health code came back red. A nightmare for any traveler in China where freedom of movement is strictly dictated by a color code system imposed by the government to control the spread of the virus. Anybody with a red code usually assigned to people infected with COVID or deemed by authorities to be at high risk of infection immediately becomes a persona non grata. They are banned from all public venues and transport, often subject to weeks of government quarantine. But all that derailed plans for Liu, who had come uh, to Zhengzhou, the provincial capital of Henan province, to seek redress from a bank that had frozen his deposits. He'd put his life savings, a 6 million yuan, about 890,000, into a rural bank in Henan, and since April, hasn't been able to withdraw a penny. <clears throat> oh, 
That's terrible. Over the past two months, thousands of depositors like you had been fighting to recover their savings from at least four rural banks in Henan, a case that involves billions of dollars. In late May, hundreds of them traveled to Shangzhou from across China and staged a protest outside the office of the Henan banking regulator to demand their money back to no avail. Another protest was planned for Monday. But as the depositors arrived in Zhengzhou, they were stunned to find that their health codes, which were green upon departure, had all turned red, according to six who spoke with CNN and social media posts. Dozens of depositors were taken into a quarantine hotel guarded by police and local officials before being sent away on trains bound for their hometowns the next day. Others were quarantined at several other locations in the city, including a college campus, according to witnesses and online posts. Depositors accused the Zhengzhou authorities of tampering with the health code system to prevent them from returning to the city and thus thwarting their plans to fend for their rights. <clears throat> wow. How about that? Isn't that crazy? That's, that's my worst nightmare right there. It's I not crazy. I can't believe it's actually happening in the world. That's just a taste of what's coming. That, that's, that's where these CBDCs go, right? So they're using a health code that prevents travel because that's how China implemented it. But it's something that's on your phone. It's some, something that prevents you from, from going where you want to go because, well, before it was about health, but now it's like, would be awkward if you showed up and protested for your money back. So you can't do that. That's how this stuff goes, right? That's, that's where this is heading. So at any rate. Things are um, getting wonkier and wonkier. Yeah. I mean, I knew Canada is another instance of that for me, that just watching that all unfold was really shocking to me. The frozen bank accounts? The frozen bank yeah. accounts of the truckers. I think some of them are still dealing with that. And and what crime did they actually commit? You know, feeding the homeless? I, I'm not even clear. Yeah. I'm not sure that they've had a fair hearing in that regard. Here's Jessa again um, from Canberra. Um, Australia is 98% fully vaccinated. It's a public servant city. Everyone here follows the government's commands without question. The unvaxxed talk in whispers. I cannot wait for private knowledge to become common mm. knowledge. Yeah. Us too. We're, we're pulling for you, Jessa. And, I, you know, honestly, it takes people like you to just stand up and start asking the questions that can't be answered easily. Mm -hmm. That's 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 how these things break. It's you, you, if, you, if you really want to understand this a little better, read a book on how you actually deprogram or break somebody from a cult. It doesn't involve putting a black hood over their head and putting them in a van and throwing cold buckets of water on them till they wake up. <clears throat> it actually involves asking them questions they can't easily answer. Mm. Questions that just don't make sense. Right? Hey, Bill, I understand that you took a vow of celibacy. Why is your girlfriend in the guru's room every night? You know, you have to ask the really awkward question that just doesn't have a good answer. <laughs> and eventually people wake up. So, it's true. so there's a lot of awkward questions around these vaccines in Australia. Uh, the excess mortality is your it's your dog that is barking loudly in this story. The excess mortality figures in Australia are quite unpleasant. Uh, I wish like we could go to the future. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Kevin McCarran. Have I heard of Kevin McCarran, Kush tough ass uh, neuroscientist? I have heard, but I haven't I haven't gone further than that yet. So, but thanks for that. Um, I enough people have said that name that I I do have to see if I can make mm. contact there. So, wouldn't it be interesting though to be able to go to the future and see what history, what they're going to be saying about this particular period of time in history? Like, I'm so curious about how it's going to be written, how they're going to explain. 
what happened in the in this couple of years you know mm -hmm. in all these different countries and how it played out and <clears throat> you know what accountability if any was held mm -hmm. you know well this is all of this is sort of a summation for why i'm a huge believer in the second amendment in the united states I know it's it's mischaracterized a lot. It's, you know, oh, you know, you, you crazy gun nuts who want to, you know, why do you need such firepower to shoot Bambi? You know, deer don't have, I think even the president, Biden said, deer don't have Kevlar vests. Like, listen, if you th honestly think the framers of the Constitution came back from a hunting trip and wrote the Second Amendment, you just weren't paying attention, right? Um, so it wasn't what it was about. It was about protecting people from other people because they understood humans not weapons. This isn't a weapon discussion. The Second Amendment is fundamentally, it's mischaracterized as a weapon discussion. It's not. It's a discussion about humans and how humans occasionally lose the plot line and do really bad things to each other, particularly when they fall into a mass formation psychosis event. Then they do really awful things to each other. History is full of this. It's not a rare thing that never happens. It happens all the time. So you know, anybody who's sort of against this idea that you need to have a populace that is capable of applying pressure back to centralized authorities, somebody who would argue that just hasn't spent any time on history um, and tried to understand it, or has this fanta infantile view that maybe history is, that was then, people are totally different now. <laughs> like, nah. So look at this. Um, this was big deal. This is actually a really big deal. Supreme Court rules that New York strict limits on concealed carry of firearms in public violates the second amendment huge two-way win um and so immediately immediately the governor of new york who really rubs my fur the wrong way have not liked anything kathy hochel has done on any subject that i've encountered her on so far <laughs> said i would like to point out to the supreme court justices that the only weapons at that time were muskets <coughs> i'm prepared to go back to muskets end quote, to which I say, you first, you first, Kathy, as soon as I see your security detail carrying muskets, you know, then we'll trade ours in. Yeah, then we can have a conversation about this, <laughs> right? But otherwise her, her entire message to you and me is, oh no, but I'm important. That's why my security detail is going to have, you know, semi-automatics and maybe fully automatics, right? Because I'm important, Not, but you... I don't know how this doesn't get translated more commonly. This is Kathy Hochul saying, you don't matter. I do. I, I need to be protected because I'm important. You're not. Your life doesn't matter. That's the entire message. But the other thing is, why muskets? It's like so cartoonishly stupid. You know what else they had in World War? Sorry, in, in the Revolutionary War? They had rifles with rifled barrels. They had mortars. They had cannons. Mm. Right? Yeah, those were... Nasty. They had all kinds of explosives that people, you know, big barrels of black powder and other things. Like, like they had a lot of stuff. Like, this wasn't just dudes with muskets, like, pew, pew. Like, you know what, Kathy, if all you've seen is, like, um, postage stamps of the Revolutionary War, I understand where you got your view of it, but <laughs> you should read about it sometime. Actually, there was, they had some pretty devastating weaponry back then at the time. But the point wasn't even that. The point was that the people should be as well-armed as their government because that's now we have a balance of power right that's right we see this diplomatically internationally right you know why the united states doesn't just ride in and you know really crush north korea you know why we don't do that because they have nukes <laughs> if you don't have nukes hey we're going to do all kinds of crazy stuff to you right but mm -hmm. if you do we're kind of like a little bit more deferential it's like mm -hmm. oh maybe we should talk it's just true. We give how, them space that we wouldn't otherwise, yeah. Power speaks. But, of course, this did not prevent 
people from going off the rails. And who goes off the rails more reliably, more deeply, more consistently than Keith Olbermann? Almost nobody. <laughs> Political commentator Olbermann appears to promote the legal theory of nullification. He's tweeting out here that this was such an overbearingly bad ruling by the Supreme Court. He's, he's like talking openly here that maybe it's necessary to dissolve the Supreme Court and that rulings should be ignored by states. Wow. This is just embarrassing this time that we're living in. It's a little embarrassing. It is. <laughs> I mean, we're so fragmented. And, and you know, you're, you were just asking a minute ago a really great question, which is, you know, why, why aren't people speaking up about this? You know, why sort of rules for thee but, but not for me and I get to use this and you're not important enough to have that kind of protection, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like it just, that pattern fractally goes on, you know, in to infinity. But for some reason, I don't know if it's because our lives are too complex or complicated. We're too stressed out. We're too tired. Why aren't we sort of in a more unified voice fighting back against this crap? I mean, it, it really is crap. It, well, it completely is, but it's, complex set of reasons but i think at core we've given up we the people have, have given up the sense that we have power in this story so so we're victimized and we're just sort of well one day it, it, this happens all throughout history people are victimized mm -hmm. by Until a very <laughs> tiny increasingly corrupt increasingly um weird you know elite the come up with weirder and weirder things um, for themselves and, and, all, and their so-called subjects. Yeah, I haven't seen the but, British But then one day, museum. yeah, it's awful. <clears throat> but then one day people wake up and go, oh, wait a minute, there's only like 10 of you and there's a million of us. And then sh stuff changes, right? It happens mm. over and over again. But mm -hmm. first you have to understand you actually have the power. So that's what I think the trucker protest scared a lot of people, not just in Canada. So there's a lot of firepower was brought to bear our own media over here in the United States got the memo, was demonizing them heavily, calling them misogynists and racists and this and that. Oh, my God, they honked all night long, kept this 87-year-old woman up. She PTSD. In her own bedroom, <laughs> right? Horrible things, right? You know, they cleaned the monuments. Oh, not that. Well, let's get that out of the story. So, um, but the reason is, is because they were dangerously close to coming to this conclusion, which was, oh, actually, the truckers have way more power than the entire combined military and political force of the Canadian government. Because if the truckers just say, you know what, I'm not coming to work this month, mm. it all stops. Yep. That's a dangerous realization. So you can't have that happening. So you have to like squish that as hard as possible. Right? Yep. Um, Which they're just tightening the screws of social media and basically not allowing people to communicate anymore. Remember how hard mm -hmm. it was to find information about that same sort of event happening in this country? Yeah. It was ridiculous to try and follow it. Yeah. So I think this next arc of this, you know, to to not just sit back and go, oh, I don't know how I feel about getting these CBDCs. And I don't know how I feel about having to, you know, my, my currency no longer works. And oh, wait, in order to for my currency to have any spending power, I have to get a, a, a magic intervention in my arm um, on and on and on. Like if you don't want to go down that path, this is why it's really important to stand up now. Mm. These days, it's why if we want to get this from private back out into common knowledge, it takes brave people standing up saying, no, this is not acceptable. I agree. I wish we had a symbol. I think symbols are helpful. Remember the Gillette Jean? How they had, I'm not saying that right, am I? 
<laughs> the gilet jaune. The, the gilet jaune. The yellow Sorry, vest. my, my uh, French is not very good right now. But uh, yeah, the yellow vests, it was, I think, easier in some ways for people to identify each other and to, and to stand you know, in solidarity with each other because they had this sort of symbol of their unity. How about... <laughs> yes, from the Hunger Games. May the odds be ever. I'm in from your District favor. 12. Hey, babe. Um, so, uh, well, at any rate, um, uh, please come by Peak Prosperity if you want to continue having conversations like this. Know what you can do about things like this. We have a very large, engaged, active crowd working on becoming resilient. And uh, it's just, it's wonderful. It's our mm -hmm. great honor to sort of hold center on that and to officiate over uh, an amazing collection of humans who come together and inspire us and awe us every time, every day. So. And to everybody out there, we're also going to be having an event this fall in September. If you go to peakprosperity.com, you can find out the exact details about that. It's going to be the third weekend, fourth so 22nd through the 25th of September. And, and just to show people, um, you know, I was always saying plant a garden. <clears throat> this is our garden. So people will be coming to our farm and um, watching, you know, we plant for beauty, uh, flowers, pollinators. We do all sorts of things. Um, fundamentally, we'll talk about what is real wealth in this story. That's wealth. Um, <laughs> that's absolute wealth. This is wealth. Uh, those are our cows. And by the way, we know a lot of you come from the city. So... Um, if you haven't ever seen them before, um, we can show you what cow eggs look like, too. <laughs> so lots, lots on the slate. So, yeah, just come by. That's Peak Prosperity. That's the website. You can see um, we've got events and all that. So if that's of interest to you, we'd love to have you because it's time to have these conversations in person. Mm. Wink, wink, uh, for us to talk about what, what really matters and all of that. So we are coming up on the end. Did you have something to close this out? I do, absolutely. Um, let's see. I have a couple of different things. All right. <sighs> one, hold on, give me one second here. Um, yeah, this one's good. All right. It's called Invitation, also by Mary Oliver. Oh, do you have time to linger for just a little while out of your busy and very important day? For the goldfinches that have gathered in a field of thistle, for a musical battle to see who can sing the highest note or the lowest, or the most expressive of mirth or the most tender. Their strong blunt beaks drink the air as they strive melodiously, not for your sake and not for mine. And not for the sake of winning, but for sheer delight and gratitude. Believe us, they say, it is a serious thing just to be alive on this fresh morning in the broken world. I beg of you, do not walk by without pausing to attend to this rather ridiculous performance. It could mean something. It could mean everything. It could be what Rilke, Rilke meant when he wrote, you must change your life. All right. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Take the time to do what makes you come alive. Go outside. Um, mm. Feed your own soul during these times of stress and change. It's really important to stay grounded and 
and do what makes you feel nourished and to have people around you that feel nourishing as well. Part of the big reason for that right now, of course, is that um, one of the, the central themes that we work with amongst our tribe at Peak Prosperity, and we work with it personally ourselves, Evie and I, is that it's very hard to stay grounded in these incredible moments of change. Um, they can really drag you off, and people are reporting all sorts of emotional ranges of experiences and sensations and um, feel them, have them, absolutely, totally normal, totally human. And if you have a tribe of people and you have support, you can work through them and move through them. And we're not saying suppress them, don't drug them, don't numb them, let them be and let them be as, as, so that they can move through so that they don't paralyze you in some way. Because right now, it's really important that none of us stop swimming in this incredible torrent that we're in. Mm -hmm. A lot's going down right now. <clears throat> so if I had a magic wish for everybody, it would simply be become resilient. Do what you can to uh, become resilient so that you can help <laughs> all the people around you as well. I, I don't become resilient as a matter of selfishness. I, it's selflessness because I'm taking a lot of time out of my life, a lot of time out. Evie's taking a lot of time out of her life. It takes money, effort, time to become resilient because we want to be in a position to help other people if or when that time comes. Pretty sure the time's coming, right? You know, we might be wrong, but we're not confused, right? There's great changes upon us and it's only going to accelerate and get faster. And as it gets faster, it's going to become even harder to figure out what to do. So to avoid that paralysis requires that grounding, the calmness, the wisdom of being around other people. I might be in panic around one thing, but I'm calm around four other things. I can help on those four things, get help on that one thing. So mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. We're really going to need each other mm -hmm. bigly. And um, we can do this. Next few years. So yeah. We're born for this time. Yep, we're the remnant. We're the people who, who are who can hear this stuff. We can hear it before other people. It's a special obligation, responsibility. So, hey, thanks so much for listening today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being part of the tribe. Can't wait to see you all at Peak Prosperity or wherever. And, of course, we'll be back here with you on this show next Thursday. Informed consent. I'm Chris Martinson. This is Evie Botello. We thank you very much for your time here tonight. Have thanks a for great listening. one. Thank you.